Chapter thirty four of the Fortunes of Glencore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fortunes of Glencore by Charles James Lever. Chapter thirty four A Minister's Letter. British Legation, Naples, November the blank, 18 blank. My dear Harcourt, not mine the fault that your letter has lain six weeks unanswered, but having given up penwork myself for the last eight months, and Crawley, my private secretary, being ill, the delay was unavoidable. The present communication you owe to the fortunate arrival here of captain mellish who has kindly volunteered to be my amanuensis i am indeed sorely grieved at this delay i shall be desolé if it occasion you anything beyond inconvenience how a private secretary should permit himself the luxury of an attack of influenza i cannot conceive we shall hear of one's hairdresser having the impertinence to catch cold to-morrow or the next day if i don't mistake it was you yourself recommended crawley to me and i am only half grateful for the service he is a man of small prejudices fancies that he ought to have a regular hour for dinner thinks that he should have acquaintances and will persist in imagining himself an existent something appertaining to the legation while in reality he is only a shadowy excrescence of my own indolent habits the recipient of the trashy superfluities one commits to paper and calls dispatches latterly in my increasing laziness I have used him for more intimate correspondence, and, as Dr. Alatori has now denied me all manual exertion whatever, I am actually wholly dependent on such aid. I'm sure I long for the discovery of some other mode of transmitting one's brain efforts than by the slow process of manuscript, some photographic process that, by a series of bright pictures might display on tableau what one is now reduced to accomplish by narrative as it ever did and ever will happen too they have deluged me with work when i crave rest every session of parliament must have its blue book and by the devil's luck they have decided that italy is to furnish the present one you have always been a soldier and whenever your inspecting general came his rounds your whole care has been to make the troop horses look as fat the men's whiskers as trim their overalls as clean and their curb chains as bright as possible you never imagined or dreamed of a contingency when it would be desirable that the animals should be all sore-backed the whole regiment under stoppages and the trumpeter in a quinsy 
had you been a diplomatist instead of a dragoon this view of things might perhaps have presented itself and the chief object of your desire have been to show that the system under which you functionated worked as ill as need be that the court to which you were accredited abhorred you its ministers snubbed its small officials slighted you that all your communications were ill-received your counsels ill-taken that what you reprobated was adopted what you advised rejected in fact that the only result of your presence was a maintenance of a perpetual ill-will and bad feeling and that without the aid of a line of battleship or at least a frigate your position was no longer tenable from the moment my dear harcourt that you can establish this fact you start into life as an able and active minister imbued with thoroughly british principles an active asserter of what is due to his country's rights and dignity not truckling to court favour or tamely submitting to royal impertinences not like the noble lord at this place or the more subservient viscount at that but in plain words an admirable public servant whose reward whatever courts and cabinets may do will always be willingly accorded by a grateful nation i am afraid this sketch of a special envoy's career will scarcely tempt you to exchange for a mission abroad and you are quite right my dear friend it is a very unrewarding profession i often wish myself that i had taken something in the colonies or gone into the church or some other career which had given me time and opportunity to look after my health of which by the way i have but an indifferent account to render you these people here can't hit it off at all harcourt they keep muddling away about indigestion deranged functions and the rest of it the mischief is in the blood i mean in the undue distribution of the blood so tracenac the man of banniers proved to me there is a flux and reflux in us as in the tides and when from deficient energy or lax muscular power that ceases we are all driven by artificial means to remedy the defect tracenac's theory is position by a number of ingeniously contrived positions he accomplishes an artificial congestion of any part he pleases and in his establishment at banniere you may see some fifty people strung up by the arms and legs by the waists or the ankles in the most marvellous manner and with truly fabulous success i myself passed three mornings suspended by the middle like the sheep in the decoration of the golden fleece and was amazed at the strange sensations i experienced before i was cut down you know the obstinacy with which the medical people reject every discovery in the art and only sanction its employment 
when the world has decreed in its favour. You will, therefore, not be surprised to hear that Larry and Cooper, to whom I wrote about Tracenac's theory, sent me very unsatisfactory, indeed very unseemly, replies. I have resolved, however, not to let the thing drop, and am determined to originate a suspensorium in England, when I can chance upon a man of intelligence and scientific knowledge to conduct it. Like mesmerism, the system has its antipathies, and thus, yesterday, Crawley fainted twice after a few minutes' suspension by the arms. But he is a bigot about anything he hears for the first time, and I was not sorry at his punishment. I wish you would talk over this matter with any clever medical man in your neighbourhood, and let me hear the result. And so you are surprised, you say, how little influence English representations exercise over the determinations of foreign cabinets. I go farther, and confess no astonishment at all at the no influence. My dear Dragoon, have you not, some hundred and fifty times in this life, endured a small martyrdom in seeing a very indifferent rider torment almost to madness the animal he bestrode, just by sheer ignorance and awkwardness, now worrying the flank with incautious heel, now irritating the soft side of the mouth with incessant jerkings? always counteracting the good impulses, ever prompting the bad ones of his beast. And have you not, while heartily wishing yourself in the saddle, felt the utter inutility of administering any counsels to the rider? You saw, and rightly saw, that even if he attempted to follow your suggestions, he would do so awkwardly and inaptly acting at wrong moments and without that continuity of purpose which must ever accompany an act of address and that for his safety and even for the welfare of the animal it were as well they should jog on together as they had done trusting that after a time they might establish a sort of compromise endurable if not beneficial to both such my dear friend in brief is the state of many of those foreign governments to whom we are so profuse of our wise counsels it were doubtless much better if they ruled well but let us see if the road to this knotty consummation be by the adoption of methods totally new to them estranged from all their instincts and habits and full of perils which their very fears will exaggerate. Constitutional governments, like underdone roast beef, suit our natures and our latitude, but they would seem lamentable experiments when tried south of the Alps. Liberty with us means the right to break heads at a county election and to print impertinences in newspapers with the spaniard or the italian it would be to carry a poniard more openly and use it more frequently 
than at present at all events if it be any satisfaction to you you may be assured that the rulers in all these cases are not much better off than those they rule over they lead lives of incessant terror distrust and anxiety their existence is poisoned by ceaseless fears of treachery they know not where they change ministers as travellers change the direction of their journey to disconcert the supposed plans of their enemies and they vacillate between cruelty and mercy really not knowing in which lies their safety don't fancy that they have any innate pleasure in harsh measures the likelihood is they hate them as much as you do yourself but they know no other system and to come back to my cavalry illustration the only time they tried a snaffle they were run away with i trust these prosings will be a warning to you how you touch upon politics again in a letter to me but i really did not wish to be a bore and now here i am ready to answer as far as in me lies all your interrogatories first premising that i am not at liberty to enter upon the question of glencore himself and for the simple reason that he has made me his confidant and now as to the boy i could make nothing of him harcourt and for this reason he had not what sailors call steerage way on him he went wherever you bade but without an impulse i tried to make him care for his career for the gay world for the butterfly life of young diplomacy for certain dissipations excellent things occasionally to develop nascent faculties i endeavoured to interest him by literary society and savans but unsuccessfully for art indeed he showed some disposition and modelled prettily but it never rose above amateurship now enthusiasm although a very excellent ingredient will no more make an artist than a brisk kitchen fire will provide a dinner where all the materials are wanting i began to despair of him harcourt when i saw that there were no features about him he could do everything reasonably well because there was no hope of his doing anything with real excellence he wandered away from me to carrara with his quaint companion the doctor and after some months wrote me rather a sturdy letter rejecting all moneyed advances past and future and saying something very haughty and of course very stupid about the glorious sense of independence i replied but he never answered me and here might have ended all my knowledge of his history had not a letter of which i send you an extract resumed the narrative the writer is the princess sabloukoff a lady of whose attractions and fascinations you have often heard me speak when you have read and thought over the enclosed let me have your opinion 
i do not i cannot believe in the rumour you allude to glencore is not the man to marry at his time of life and in his circumstances send me however all the particulars you are in possession of i hope they don't mean to send you to india because you seem to dislike it for my own part i suspect i should enjoy that country immensely heat is the first element of daily comfort and all the appliances to moderate it are ex officio luxuries besides that in india there is a splendid and enlarged selfishness in the mode of life very different from the petty egotisms of our rude northland if you do go pray take naples in the way the route by alexandria and suez they all tell me is the best and most expeditious mellish desires me to add his remembrances hoping that you have not forgotten him he served in the fifth with you in canada that is if you be the same george harcourt who played tony lumpkin so execrably at montreal i have told him it is probable and am yours ever h u end of chapter thirty four recording by steve chilvers norwich england